This is an ABC podcast. Hey, just a warning, this podcast contains some adult language. So if you've got little ears around, beware. It feels as if your vagina, there's a tear in your vagina, that kind of pain. And it really freaks me out every time we have sex and, you know, you go to the bathroom and you had this pain. I was thinking, oh my gosh, is his penis too big or something? <laughs> That's Ing. She's at one end of the spectrum of painful sex with a medical condition, and we'll hear more from her later. But at the other end of the spectrum, at the everyday, hey, this happened to me, end of the spectrum is, well, it's me, it's you, it's everyone we know. Something had kind of rawly was rubbing inside of me. Pretty much most times I had sex, it creates some level of pain. It was all about him thinking he needed to go very, very, very fast. Like just a burning pain. It was unbearable. (laughs) Like sandpaper, extremely painful pressure, tearing, a horrible, scary experience. There have been so many times where I've just actually gone, "This this is actually hurting and I need it to stop. So I have faked an orgasm to get them to go. The largest Australian study on painful sex found that 20% of women, that's one in five of us, experienced physical pain during sex. In comparison, that same study by the University of New South Wales found that just under 3% of men had painful sex. But sex should never hurt unless you want it to. Can I repeat that just to make sure you got it? Under regular circumstances, sex should not hurt. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about painful sex. That common experience of painful sex, I've had it, and I'm guessing if you're sexually active, you've had it, is, for the most part, when penetration starts when you're just not horny enough. There's nothing mysterious about it. It's just what's known politely as bad sex. And it can be attributed to a male partner who's either inexperienced or uncaring, or both. And it can also be attributed to our own willingness to proceed with penetration in spite of the pain. But sometimes there is a medical problem. My name is Ing. I've been married for almost 10 years now. And I have a beautiful two-year-old daughter. And for the seven out of 10 years of a married life, my husband and I never had uh, penetrative sex. Ing didn't have sex before marriage for religious reasons. And when she and her husband tried on their honeymoon... She was shocked by how much it hurt. So, you know, you're really looking forward to your first time and, you know, you see all these movies, you know, they talk about sex and how great it is. And, but when you actually get to it, it's not really sexy. It's painful. It's, yeah, just thinking about it made me cringe as well. Can you, out of 10, the, the pain that you experienced during sex, where did it sit on the scale? It would be probably eight or nine. And it wasn't just that first time they tried to have sex. 
Ing had a condition called vaginismus. It's where the muscles around the vagina tighten involuntarily. It can make vaginal penetration painful and, in some cases, physically impossible. It's the pain that happens afterwards, like when you pee or you, you know, you can feel a sharp pain for like two or three days. And it feels as if there's a, um, it feels as if your vagina, there's a tear in your vagina, that kind of pain. And I wouldn't want to try it for like a couple of weeks, then we try again and didn't work. Man, that's so flooding. It is very intense and I've never told anyone about that because, you know, there's just so much, I don't know, like sometimes I feel like I was a failure or something like that. You know, you don't want to tell people and because everyone's having sex, everyone's having a baby and, you know, seems like I'm the only one having that issue, so must be me. Sorry to get so specific, but yeah. when he tried to put yeah. his penis inside... Yeah. It just felt, it's too big or it couldn't get in. We had difficulty getting it in. So I thought it was probably because it's my first time and, you know, second time didn't get in again. And he probably, I was thinking, oh my gosh, is his penis too big or something? <laughs> <laughs> so we ha- did it get in in like a centimetre or did it get in at all? <sighs> probably like one or two cm and and I was thinking is that it is that all in no it's not it's only you know not even half I'm like no oh no yeah so that went on and on and then it just didn't get any better yeah. it just didn't and I just didn't want sex mm. like every time my husband touched me I would cringe literally my whole body would break into a sweat how long did it go on for this unsatisfactory sexual intercourse? A very, very long time. Like months? No, years. It actually took us seven years to get help. Seven years? Yep. Ing didn't know who to talk to. At that point, she'd never heard of vaginismus. She had no idea how or if it could be fixed. And then came the other issue. She wanted to start a family. That's when I started to panic. I'm like, oh no, we're not even having sex. How are we going to have a baby? What sort of made you start to think you could get help? I think my husband is a really... Um, he's been trying to find out how to help me because I think I was really depressed at that time. I didn't know how to help myself. Her husband sent Ing an article about vaginismus and that was a true light bulb moment. Together, they consulted a sex therapist. And after the first session, she told us that, you know, it's fully treatable and she referred us to a physio. So she said, so the sex therapist said to you, it's fully treatable. Yes. Here, here is a, a pelvic floor physio you can yes. go and see. And I don't need to go for a surgery or operation or, you know, any of those things. Just go and see a physio and then we'll go from there. And how did you feel when you heard that? I couldn't believe it mm. that I waited, you know, eight years to do that. When Ing went to her first physio session, the therapist couldn't even put a finger inside to do an internal vaginal examination. 
But slowly, over a number of weeks, the physio started using a series of vaginal dilators. The first one was tiny, and slowly they got bigger. When you go through that treatment, you don't know if it's going to work. You know, you just go with it because we've been suffering for so long. So anything is better than what we were having. So what about when you felt like it was time to have sex? Was that something that you discussed with the physio and your partner before you got to it? Yes. So the physio will go through that treatment and tell us that you guys are ready. So you guys can go and have sex. (laughs) How did you feel when she said that? We were like, oh God. Even though we know that we have finished the treatment, but the mental side of it, you, sh- you still struggle with that. Even sometimes up to now, like I'm okay now, but sometimes when there's a little bit of pain, your mind just sort of go back to what it was eight years ago, but you have to keep telling yourself, no, 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 that's not happening now. Mm. You know, you have to keep telling yourself it's good pain because sometimes, you know, you do feel uneasy depending on the days and, yeah. Did you, so can you describe the first time you and your husband um, had sexual intercourse? Yeah, the proper section. It's more clinical the first time. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> after the treatment and just want to give it a go. We were just so surprised that there's no pain at all. It's almost like we are going through the treatment and yeah, the first time was we were just so... I can't even describe the feeling. I think we both cried after the first session. Just, yeah. Relief? Yeah, definitely. And we actually get to see the light at the end of the tunnel because before that, we just think that there's no way out, you know. And we don't even know how to get through that, you know, in the first seven, eight years of our marriage. Yeah. Did you celebrate? Oh, yes. <laughs> did you really? What did you do? We got up for a really nice dinner. Yeah. We were just so happy. And yeah. And could you tell people what was going on? We didn't tell people at that point. But the funny thing is, we actually conceived <gasps> a baby. Yes. Like straight away. Straight away. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> yes. I think we could have enjoyed it a bit more, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> wow, congrats. That's like a real celebration dinner, yes, isn't it? Yes, Ying now has a much-loved two-year-old daughter and no pain during sex. But let's not forget that she suffered silently for eight years because of shame and because of a lack of information. I'm Dr Anita Elias and I've been seeing women with painful sex for over 20 years now. I'm head of a clinic called the Sexual Medicine and Therapy Clinic in Melbourne. And seeing these women, you know, I want to get the message out there that sex should never hurt. When you're suffering from painful sex, what are some of the conditions that you might have? You know, it could just be not a condition. It could be because of lack of arousal. But there are some specific conditions. One is called vulvodynia, which is very uh, great sensitivity just at the entrance to the vagina where it can be excruciatingly painful even just to be touched. Another one is vaginismus, which is an involuntary muscle contraction of the pelvic floor, which is the muscles around the vagina. So why are they tight? Well... Partly it can because 
you know, the person is anxious and when we're anxious or, or stressed, then we hold a lot of tension in our muscles all over, including the pelvic floor. So it could be tension from that sort of thing. But also it can be a protective mechanism. So it's kind of like blinking. So if something comes towards our eyes, we automatically blink to protect something going in our eye when we don't want it to. If I had an iron resting here and my hand accidentally brushed against it, I'd automatically pull my hand away to protect myself. And the same thing can happen with the pelvic floor. So the pelvic floor can automatically contract, tighten up, and um, it's a sort of protective mechanism. And if, if it tightens up a little bit, then trying to get something into the vagina can hurt a bit. If it tightens up a lot, it can hurt a lot. And if it tightens up even more than that, it can feel as if there's a, a brick wall or something blocking the vagina so nothing can go in. Wow. And I can that can be, you know, girls who are trying to use tampons and uh, not able to put tampons in or a finger, their finger or a partner's finger, obviously a penis, or even with a gynae examination at the doctors if they're trying to be examined. So the muscles can tighten up so much that kind of nothing can go in is possible. What triggers that kind of reaction? So when we talk about vaginismus, we talk about two types. One is when you've had it from the first time you've tried to have sex or put something in your vagina. Call that primary vaginismus right from the start. And then the other type is when things have been okay, going along okay, and then it develops sometime down the track. So usually when it develops down the track, it's because something has caused pain. So it could have been, say, after childbirth. It could have been Chronic thrush is a common cause. So, you know, they might have had thrush and because of the inflammation, it's painful. Could be anything uh, that that causes pain, even surgery or whatever. And then there's a fear of pain. So there's this automatic tensing. That's one group. But for the group who have had it right from the start, it could be fear of sex or, um, you know, they might have had really negative messages. A lot of the patients I see, you know, haven't had a lot of sex education and from different cultures, might have been a taboo subject, but they're told that, you know, maybe they're told you mustn't have sex, but then uh, when you do, you're going to um, bleed and it's going to hurt. So if you've had negative messages of that it's going to be awful the first time and it's going to be painful the first time, then of course that can set up a fear in itself. And um, if that fear is there, that can then cause the muscles to tighten up. Dr Anita, you're a specialist in this field. So by the yeah. time someone gets to see you, they've usually been referred by another doctor. Yeah. I just want to know if you know how scary it is to go and turn up to somebody and say, I've got a problem. Oh. Absolutely, I do, because I face that every day with everybody I see and I'm very aware. But I think one of the reasons it's so scary is because it never gets talked about. And that's why I'm so pleased that you guys are talking about this. Any other kind of pain people are talking about with their friends, family, workplaces, you know, if you've got back pain, then you're talking about it and it's kind of normal. Because this is such a, you know, a personal thing and a private thing, most of the women I see, you know, they're so embarrassed and ashamed and don't talk to anyone about it and think they're the only one in the world with this problem. I wanted to come on the podcast because 
It's a condition that's far more prevalent than most sufferers realise. It's also a condition that I think people shouldn't feel ashamed or embarrassed to talk about. This is Frankie. She's 36. For as long as she's been sexually active, she's experienced painful sex. I am having the joys of juggling a professional life with two children, but as an added complication, I also have a temperamental vagina. I have a condition called vulvodynia that causes pain in my vulva and my vagina, particularly in relation to sex, but also in relation to things as innocuous as trying to insert a tampon. Adding to the frustration is the fact that if I'm having a day when my vulva really hurts, it's not something I can turn to a colleague and say, I'm sorry, I'm a bit impatient today, or I'm not really happy because my vulva hurts. It's just not something that you can readily share. And it feels really complicated because you have this sense that your body has betrayed you because it just doesn't work the way you wanted it to work. Yeah. You definitely feel as though your body is a bit deficient because of the pain. Sex can be a very painful experience at times. It can almost feel as though perhaps my vulva is fissuring or grazing. It can be a very odd experience because... It's not that there's any clear physical damage, but the level of pain can be such that I perceive sex as something that might almost be causing my vagina to tear. Having vulvodynia isn't all bad. Through sheer necessity, it improves bedroom communication between her and her husband and forces them to, dare I say, think outside the box. So having lots of great clitoral stimulation means that my body's already feeling a lot of pleasure and it almost overrides any feelings of discomfort associated with the vaginal penetration because it's like all my nerves are already busy having fun instead of having a bad time. Frankie still doesn't have a conclusive reason why she suffers from vulvodynia and she's figured out what works for her now but not before suffering through painful sex for nearly 20 years. In that time, she was prescribed everything from lubricants to different condoms, pain medication, treatment for chronic thrush, dilators, vibrators and sexual counselling. It's been an exhausting experience. After trying that huge variety of different treatment options, it was actually the physiotherapy that proved most beneficial for me because that was the one in the end that provided me with a better sense for how my body was working, what was actually going on with my vulva and my vagina. However, unfortunately, I've also had experiences where medical professionals can be dismissive of the level of pain and don't take a particularly holistic approach to the effect that that pain has on me and my sexual life. I think one great example is I did have one specialist who, as one facet of the training regime that was proposed, also gave me a prescription for some numbing cream. And the idea was that I would use that to numb my genitals, which would, of course, facilitate my partner being able to have penetrative sex with me. 
wouldn't really facilitate my levels of engagement and pleasure with the sex on account of my genitals being numb. Dr Anita Elias says some doctors aren't aware of what vaginismus and vulvodynia actually are. There's even some gynaecologists, I dread to say. And so if someone thinks they might have this problem and they go to their doctor, because I hear the stories all the time, if they go to their doctor and the doctor says, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with you, then I'd like your listeners to say to the doctor, are you familiar with vaginismus? Are you familiar with vulvodynia? And if not, could you please refer me to someone who is? The clinic where Dr Elias works focuses on treating the physical and psychological causes of painful sex. She says it's really important to treat both. But for people who do not have a medical condition, Dr Elias says she's seeing a worrying trend. Women's pleasure just often comes second if at all. I'd say one of the most common causes is actually lack of arousal, not being turned on enough. So if if you're not turned on enough, you're not getting the natural lubrication that you need to have comfortable sex, and that can absolutely lead to pain. Uh, if any if any woman's got painful sex, you've, you know, it's important to go to the doctor and make sure there aren't other things going on, such as infection or skin conditions or things like that. But you know, I actually, the most common thing I see is not being turned on enough leading to dryness in the vagina. I reckon that that's what most people have experienced. Absolutely. And I I think actually that's getting more and more common rather than less common. Why is that? Well, I've, I've been seeing women with painful sex for over 20 years now. And what I'm finding is that these days there's more sort of pressure, I think, particularly on, on young women and girls to have sex, you know, if, if they think that to get a partner or keep a partner, you've got to have sex. And also more pressure to have sex in ways that they may not particularly like. So if you're having sex when you don't necessarily want to or in a way that you don't want to, then naturally you're not going to get turned on. And I think because there's an increase in pressure to do those things, I'm seeing more young women who are not getting turned on and don't even, when I, sometimes when I ask the question, when they come along with painful sex and um, I ask the question, well, were you enjoying it? Were you turned on? And sometimes they look at me like with this puzzled look on their face saying, what do you mean? And that really upsets me. That really worries me that they're not even thinking about how much fun they're having or are they enjoying it. What Anita is describing is not a medical problem. It's a social construct. It's the idea that pain for women is somehow normal and pleasure is abnormal. Think about it, right? PMS, painful. Childbirth, excruciating. Wearing high heels, torture. And losing your virginity, well, as you know, that's strongly associated with pain as well. From the beginning, you know, you're told that your first sexual experience is going to be, it's going to hurt, it's going to be unpleasant, you know, there might be bleeding. You've just got to push through that and hope that things get better. And that's not everybody's experience and I don't, and it shouldn't be. You know, I think your first time can be really enjoyable. Dr Anne Francis Watson is a sex ed researcher at Queensland University of Technology. 
Dr Watson says women are trained to put up with this pain and discomfort. We're just conditioned to be uncomfortable for a lot of our lives. You know, we're conditioned to wear things that are slightly too tight. We're conditioned to wear things that elongate our legs like high heels. You know, we're supposed to look good and the price of looking good is a little bit of pain. And that does not send great messages for the rest of your life. Yeah, so how does that translate to your sex life? I think that they think that that there's going to be something in it for them at some point, I I guess. Like, if you put up with, you know, some guy pounding away at you, even though you're not really enjoying it, maybe he'll want to date you again. Like, I I don't know. I think there is an element of that. And men just aren't being told that they're not doing a good job. People aren't saying yeah, look, that's not really doing it for me. We clearly need to get away from the idea that pain is okay. But one of the problems might be in our definitions. Researchers found men and women have different ideas of what good and bad sex actually means. A study from the University of Michigan in the US found that bad sex for men means being bored or maybe not reaching orgasm, while for women... Bad sex can mean pain, coercion, or as Lily Loughborough describes it, leaving the incident in tears. Lily is a writer at Slate, an online magazine. She wrote an article called The Female Price of Male Pleasure. It hit a nerve and was read by millions of people. It is very hard to undo this idea that men are owed sex. Why, as women, are we encouraged to disregard pain? I think that uh, women are really praised for their ability to disregard pain in many contexts, including childbirth. Um, PMS is not really believed to be a real thing. And women, I think, also are making up for a lot of cultural messaging that sees them as fragile flowers. And so there is pride in taking pain like a champ. Lily, your position is that painful sex is pretty damn common. But what's your understanding of how much scientific research occurs into female sexual pain compared with male pleasure? Well, uh, on PubMed, there are almost five times as many clinical trials on male sexual pleasure as there are on female sexual pain. And that's a troubling figure because it suggests, among other things, that we live in a culture that sees female pain as normal and male pleasure as a right. Um, There are 393 clinical trials studying dyspareunia, that is painful sex. There are 10 on vaginismus. There are 43 on vulvodynia. But for erectile dysfunction, there are 1,954. Wow. It almost makes me want to have erectile dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) Putting this episode together, we made a call out to women for their stories of painful sex. And so many women got in contact. The common thread was everyone's looking for answers, whether it be post-childbirth pain, pain because of menopause, or pain from what some women described as an invisible condition. One answer is clear. Frankie, the woman who has lived with vulvodynia for 20 years, says, you're never obliged to endure pain for someone else's pleasure. If I was talking to a younger woman with this condition... I'd encourage them to treat this condition as a great litmus test for a good partner. A good partner will be 
valuing mutual pleasure through sex far higher than their chance to have penetration. If you are the one in five women who experience pain during sex, I want you to know you are not alone. If you're menopausal or postmenopausal, you can incorporate lube into sex, gallons of the stuff. If it's a matter of lack of arousal, communicate with your partner that you need more time before penetration. Bad roots, they don't know that they're a bad root unless you tell them. They certainly will not know it's hurting if you don't say so. If you think it's medical, talk to your GP. Find a sex therapist or a pelvic floor physio. And as Ing says, don't wait for eight years to get help. I think it's okay to talk to someone or even, you know, your girlfriends or your mom or your auntie about it. I think that's nothing to be ashamed of. I wanted to ask you when you mm. came in, I said, do you want to use a fake name? And you said, no. Nah. I'm no. Gonna, no, why not? Because I think that's nothing to be ashamed of and I'm happy to tell people my name because if any one of my friends hear this podcast that I'm happy to talk to them about what I have to go through, you know, and I don't want that to happen to anyone. I want people to start talking about this issue, you know, publicly or even, you know, Radio, TV, you know, it's nothing to be. It's really common. It happens to, you know, every other woman, whether you have babies or not. You know, sometimes it happens after you have a baby. So it's okay to talk about it. That's why we're called Ladies We Need to Talk. I love this program already. <laughs> <laughs> and we love you. Thanks especially to everyone who responded to our call out on painful sex. And speaking of call-outs, we've got an episode coming up on ladies and we need your help. We're looking at the unconscious bias that women have toward other women. And we'd really love to hear your stories. Have you ever been weirdly bullied by a woman at work or treated another woman poorly in your personal life and you suspect it's purely because she's female? Do you generally feel more critical of women than you do of men? We'd love to hear your stories. Our number is 1300 641 222 or you can send us an email at ladies at abc.net.au. And listen, if you know someone who needs to hear this podcast, word of mouth is a great way to spread it. Grab their phone and show them how to subscribe. You can find Ladies We Need to Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. Ladies is mixed by Isabella Tropiano with music production by Martin Peralta and Timothy Jenkins. It's produced by Cassandra Steve. Supervising producer is Madeline Jenner. Our digital producer is Olivia Willis. And our executive producer is Laura McAuliffe. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. 